Unlock exclusive content and access to our podcast while supporting our show. How is that possible? Become a Narratives of Purpose patron at patreon.com forward slash NOP podcast. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Narratives of Purpose. This is our first episode of the new season, season number five. Can you believe it? It is our fifth season. Time has flown by so fast since launching this podcast in December 2020. I have had the great pleasure to host so many inspiring and so many impactful change makers from around the world. And I also have all of you listening to thank for supporting Narratives of Purpose along the way. If you aren't tuning in for the first time, my name is Claire Morigande. I am your host on this podcast, which is all about amplifying social impact. I bring you unique stories of change makers, stories of people who are contributing to make a difference in society. By showcasing these individual journeys, I would like to inspire you to take action. So this new season is going to be a very interesting one because I will be welcoming back previous guests to find out how their companies, how their organizations have grown since they were first featured on Narratives of Purpose. On today's episode, I am catching up with Ismail Eleburike. Ismail is based in Sweden. He is the founder of SchoolTry, the leading provider of efficient education application technology in various African countries. SchoolTry is helping educators and students to realize their potential. Please take a moment to rate and to review our show wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help other listeners find narratives of purpose and further amplify the stories of change we bring on our show. Now, let's listen to how Ismail's journey and mission to bring innovation to education has evolved. And I started to wonder, and I always love to combine technology, leadership, and also impact the society. Then I started thinking, I mean, I've been learning a lot of things from a long period of time, from technology to business, to marketing, to sales. And I started to think, what else can I do? I think it's time for me to start looking back for my road. And that's why I started thinking about ideas. What can we do to solve the African problems? So for me, it's all about impact. We've seen that education transformation in terms of digital uh, platform is very vital for the development of Africa and the society at large. So I believe that School Tribe plays a very key role in this digital transformation. And we've gotten a lot of feedback from the society and they are so pleased with the platform based on the impact it has to the student to the teachers and to the school administrator at large. Our vision is very clear. We want to transform the education in Africa and we want to be the leading edtech to provide that solution and deploy to the entire Africa in the next three to five years. That's our vision. You just heard a short clip of my first interview with Ismail almost two years ago. He was featured on episode 31, which was released back in April 2022. I encourage you to listen again to that conversation to hear about Ismail's fascinating background and especially how he started SchoolTry in 2019. 
Like every guest I talk to on the podcast, I have been following Ismail's work since we first spoke. I caught up with him a few weeks ago to learn more about school tries growth, but also his personal journey as an entrepreneur. Take a listen. So welcome back on Irishes of Purpose, Ismail. It's really a pleasure to have you. And when I recall our last discussion, it was almost two years ago. We spoke about your platform, School Try. So just a quick reminder for our listeners, can you tell us exactly what it is? So we are speaking about education tech. You're really helping connect schools, students, and parents using technology. Exactly. And that's just one out of uh, many benefits that we provide to the schools and other institutions of education. One of the benefits you mentioned is to connect in real time the stakeholders of the school, from the teachers or lecturers, depending on the case, and then the parent, which is another very key stakeholders, and also the student who are the receiving end of the benefit itself. And uh, the connection of this makes them to communicate in the most efficient and effective manner and to share knowledge and information. And as we know, uh, information is key to any personal and societal development uh, in any way in the world. So we see also that there's a lot of paper being used in many institutions. Instead of many institutions to focus on teaching, and providing information to the student, effective knowledge. They spend most of their time on manual works, doing a lot of administration on paper, sending different materials on paper, printing. But now what school try does is to look at the entire process of the school and then come up with a with a digital platform that can allow the smooth operation of the schools from the administrative layer to cut across the entire value chain of the educational sector. And we have been able to get a lot of feedback from our clients that we have been able to improve their efficiency by more than 90% when they start to use Kutri for grading and performance, for example, for attendance and a lot of other things that they do in the schools manually today. You spoke about grading, attendance. How has your platform evolved since we last spoke, right? Did you add like new functionalities? But first, just tell us about the evolution of the platform for the schools and all the other stakeholders. Uh, maybe I can start with our process because that is very key. We still focus on in Africa because that's where we see the problems to be solved compared to other parts of the world. So currently, we are fully operating in Nigeria. And I think last time we spoke, we mentioned that. The only thing we also did in the last two years is that now we are fully operational in Kenya. We have also our office in Kenya, as we speak. And then we are also using partnership. And we have partnership in South Africa. And we also have partnership in Ghana. So I would say that Skutri is operating in four different countries today with main, with our tier countries, tier one country, uh, focusing mainly on Nigeria and Kenya. Okay, so those are the two countries where you have location, where you have offices, right? Yes. And also talking about the the functionality and the features, which is driven by the, by the end users, 
what we also do mainly uh, in Scotra is that we focus on the feedback from the end users to be able to define our roadmap going forward. And what we have seen is that there's a lot of requests on the security, on the computer-based examination, and uh, some of the schools who are also uh, boarding schools like hostel management features and many other kind of robustness. And now we are going into artificial intelligence and machine learning. A lot of users also want to see how can data help them to improve the teaching of the student? How can they see the track performance of all the students compared to the class group compared? So there's a lot of analytics that we're also looking at in our functionality. And that is a continuous development and deployment that we are also, we are looking into. And that has also evolved from last time we, we met. So a lot of functionality, a lot of features has been added in these particular areas. I mean, it's a continuous development and deployment. It's still a work in progress. I can imagine, obviously, especially with artificial intelligence, because you need to have more data to, so to speak, feed the system. So you have enough analytics and draw some relevant conclusions. So coming back to your footprint, you mentioned four countries, but how many schools are we talking about? And especially how large are these schools? Just to have an idea to see how large you spread. So we have over 500 schools signed up on our platform, with more than 50% of them are fully active. Uh, we have around 250,000 users which has uh, students, populations, uh, teachers, information and profiling, and also parents and um, administrators. So in total, we have those kind of user base on, on the platform. And that is on the K-12 aspect of it. We also have the higher ed aspect of the, of the product. And that is new, right? Because I think last time we spoke, you only had K-12. That is new. And it's also based on the demand that we got in the market. Most of the time you go to these K-12 schools and then maybe one of the directors of the K-12 schools is also a director in the IIA and say, don't we have, don't we have the one for IIA? They love our product in K-12. They would like to use the same thing in the IIA. And then we went ahead to, to develop uh, the tertiary track. So we have a complete two different products now, one for K-12 and one for, for higher ed. And in the higher ed aspect, uh, we have a lot of pipelines in Kenya. We have around three to four universities in Nigeria, two mainly functioning at the moment, and two of them is about to come on board any moment from now. Uh, a lot of things are also happening there because in the higher education is more complicated in terms of from admission, you need to be connected to some of the government bodies to, uh, from the admission aspect. And then you bring those students into the platform and then they start to do course registrations. And then we are now moving into the virtual learning as well, which is also a key aspect of uh, development. I mean, COVID has also shifted the, the mindset of the society completely in terms of providing learning management system. That has also been one of our features in K-12 that has evolved. 
and this is also an aspect in the higher uh, area of the of the solution that is really key to many institutions that they should be able to provide a distance lecture to the student, especially now that uh, after the COVID, then we have the Ukrainian wall and the Russian wall. And a lot of things have skyrocketed in terms of pricing, the fuel. So how can we reduce the cost for the student by giving them uh, opportunity to attend classes remotely? And this is also giving us uh, the insight of where we need to put our focus as an entrepreneur, both in K-12 and the tertiary institutions. So this actually brings me to an important question, which you kind of, already alluded to it, you say it was complicated moving from K-12. And just a reminder for those listening and who don't know, K-12 is from kindergarten to grade 12, and higher education is from university onwards. So you have obviously expanded, but that doesn't happen very smoothly. So tell us about the challenges. Is there something you want to highlight that was particularly complicated for you that you were able to overcome? Or is there something you're still struggling with? I know that before we started recording this conversation, you were also telling me about how much you were able to raise last year. So there's also fundraising. And give us a bit of an overview of the challenges you had to face during this growth period. Uh, last year, we were looking at growth and scalability of the business. And uh, that led us to a fundraising exercise, which uh, we concluded at uh, around mid last year. So we were looking for a million dollars, but we ended up uh, raising uh, around half a million dollars. And that has actually helped us now to expand our business, for example, to fully operating in Kenya now, while we are keeping and also growing in, in Nigeria. And also looking out toward continuing to sustain our partnership arrangement in South Africa and in Ghana. And of course, part of that fund is also being used in the product uh, stability. Because last year, we, we signed a cluster of schools to the Nigerian army, which uh, increased our user base by more than 50%. That was a huge transformation to our business. So, and that cost a lot of, um, I mean, architectural design and also some amendments in the way uh, user on the product to operate. So, uh, but the, having those accessibility to fund have actually assisted us to overcome that challenge and to be able to manage that key strategic customer that we have. We've also been able to overcome the challenges of customer retention because supporting our existing customer is also a key to our success. And we're getting to the point like our support staff are uh, over occupied uh, with the ability and the opportunity for the fund. We're able to also increase our support base so that we are able to serve our customer in the most efficient manner. And of course, that centers within our strategic uh, vision which is centered around our customer, our products that we offer to them, and also to see that we also grow the business for the future. So the challenges are there, but overcoming them 
is in alignment with our strategic mission to place us as one of the leading ed tech in Africa coming five to 10 years. So I believe um, challenges will always be there. Our ability to, to sit down and turn those challenges into the opportunity that will allow us to meet our future goals, I think is the key. And that is what our focus uh, so we have also had a lot of great advisory boards, investors that are not only putting money in the business, they're also giving us their time and their experience and their expertise to be able to redefine uh, and also make necessary changes where it is uh, applicable. So basically having these people around you has kind of helped you reshift your goals in terms of what you wanted to achieve and make sure that if you shift that, you can still be able to develop and grow, right? Absolutely. They have been very helpful. We have a European lawyer in our investment board. We have strategists, people who have sold companies more than twice. People who are also founders like me, who have been founders, have like in years of experience in finance, in corporate governance, uh, they are part of our advisory board team and investors, and all of them have been really great uh, in giving us the necessary support at any point in time. I think that's one of the key critical success factors that has helped us up to this point, and we still rely on that to even be, to be successful in the future. You mentioned something about you know, wanting to be a leading edtech on the continent, which brings me to the question about the landscape and the competitors. How many other initiatives, company are also working in that space? And where do you find your place in that ecosystem? We came into the markets fully launched three years ago, and we have been able to go this far. That uh, speaks volume. And it's just depending on, I mean, all centered on how we have been able to create our team and also how we have been able to put our focus on the customer, especially supporting our customer throughout the journey from the signing up into the product, using the product and assuring the sustainability of it. We have gotten a lot of feedback around that and that's makes us stand out compared to many competitors. We have strong leaders, uh, competitor in, in Nigeria. I mean, we also have in Kenya, or like Zeraki. We have in Nigeria, Edvis is the major competitor. And we are all friends as well. We share ideas. I was even speaking with the CEO of Edvis like two days ago where we're just rubbing minds on how we can transform education digitally in Africa. The market is so big that we need even hundreds of head tech to come into the picture <clears throat> to be able to transform education in Africa. Uh, in the continent where you have uh, more than 50% of the continent, which is around a billion, is uh, under the age of 35. That gives us the opportunity as an entrepreneur to position ourselves and get ourselves prepared for the future. So there's a lot of problems to be solved, but we stand out as a product, as a team, focusing on customer, solving the problems for the customers, 
and um, paying attention to to their feedback and also providing them the solution that they actually need to drive their business, to increase their efficiency, and uh, not just creating product for them. It has to come from them. And we also need to be observant and do a lot of research on uh, looking at the data. Where where do they have uh, problems? Where, where can we provide solutions that will actually tackle their, their problems? So direct feedback, our own personal observations, and then we look at the data of how they are using, and then we are able to position ourselves and give them the right uh, uh, solution. I think that's where we stand out as a company, and it has really helped us. That's why within three years, we're now competing with me, all these competitors that have been in the market for over a decade. So when you speak about our strategy and speaking about you as us, tell me about your team since we spoke last time and the people working at SchoolTry. You have obviously grown, having offices now in Kenya. What impact have you had at that level in terms of bringing people on board with SchoolTry? Because of the limitation to to finance and also the, the legacy we want to leave behind as a company, I focus a lot as a CEO and the founder, I focus a lot on young generations in the team. The average age of about a team, which is around 23 to 25 years of age. And these guys are having leadership positions like country directors in Kenya. These guys are around 25, 26 years old. Uh, the product manager is around 25, 26 as well. And we have a lot of young uh, in the in the marketing team, in the customer support, and people are also dealing with the products. Those ones are even between the age of 18 to 22. Some of them are even in the university. So the team are actually being coached from ground to top, which has given us the ability to be able to train them to adapt to changes and also to take leadership role in terms of providing the right solution and support for our customer, which is the key to achieving our strategic goals in the future and also to also achieving our vision of being the leading in, in this industry in the next five to 10 years. Our team is also, they are very energetic people very aggressive to win, they are result-oriented, taking accountability, responsibility, initiating themselves. So with my own limited supervision, they know exactly what we need to do to be able to reach our, our, our future goals and vision. So I'm really proud of them because without the team, one can achieve nothing. And I'm always proud of them anywhere I go. When I see them presently, I just smile. And that has been the culture, even when they are interviewing people without me being there, they know exactly what they are looking for. It's about energy, it's about result orientation, and also putting our focus on our customer. I like it. I love this approach to say, I want to focus on the next generation, even though I am leading this, 
obviously you have your advisors supporting you along the way uh, within the company. But then when it comes to operations and running it, you are betting on the younger generation. I mean, being a country director at 26, it's really amazing. And as you say, it does serve your vision to be the leader in five to 10 years, because then they see themselves as the leading company in five to 10 years when they're probably in their 30s, early 30s. And it's also, I think, quite smart in terms of tapping into the potential of the younger generation on the continent, because half of the population is under 30. And you're actually looking into those people to change the education system. So well done to you. Thank you. It's very challenging to build people. However, success revolves around the, the kind of people that is driving the business. And that is why, as a leader, one must put 100% attention to coaching and mentoring the, this young generation. I always tell people, that especially in Africa, the kind of solution we are providing, which has been in existence in the Western world, is um, completely new. And we still face a lot of challenges in terms of adaptability, in terms of literacy level on IT. These are big challenges to many institutions in Africa. So you're not only selling the product, you're also changing the mindset of the users, of the customer on how this can transform the way they think, the way they run their daily operations. So there's a lot of things we, we are battling with to be able to ensure these products is delivered. And if you look at even the, the users who we are targeting, these are users of the, of the next generations. Because someone like me, around the age of 40, I have kids who are 10, they will be the next parent in the next 10 to 20 years. And for sure, they will be completely computer inclined. We need to build a solution that will still be sustainable before that time actually happens. And that is why people that are building the products must also be aligned with the people that are going to be the users of the products in the future. Yes, yes, it makes sense. And also, I understand the strategy to involve younger people in the company because this is also the mindset you want to bring, right? And given that the environment is changing and things are evolving, especially with the pandemic, things are evolving very much with digital tools. We almost can do without, and it's a matter of constantly being aware of what is happening, what is new, and reinventing yourself as you evolve, right? And the earlier you start, the better you're off, I suppose, right? It's just the ability to place everything under great um, alignment and strategic vision and then drive the process and the results will come. And everything should be focused on the users and the customers and the people who are going to use this, you know, they must have sound knowledge of computer, they must be literate on how IT evolves. But it's very obvious now, if you go to any university today, most of them have their mobile phones, tweeting, or Facebook, on communities. We need to bring that education to the phone and to the web. And perhaps another question to that point as well. I remember we had spoken about that last time, and I just want to see, like, what is your thinking 
And is this something you're going towards to? If I could put it this way, you were building the infrastructure to make sure everything is running in a digital setting. But then now that you've moved as well into higher education and also online courses, are you thinking of partnering or to some extent working on creating the material, like educational content, right? Is some part of being a leader in this space also to support the content that's being taught? Because I remember having a conversation early on as well on the podcast with someone who is based in Uganda, who is also active in the educational space. And she was also arguing the fact that the way education works, especially what is being taught in many countries, especially those who have colonial history, is probably not always relevant to today's reality, right? And now that you're speaking about the future and having all these tools, is this something that you think of that we also want to shape their reality and make this content relevant for the next generation? You already hit the nail on the head. We cannot do everything as a, as a company, so we leverage a lot on partnership. So like I said, I have a lot of CEOs of EdTech around me, and some of them provide content. We speak every day. I was speaking with one even last week. You know, if you know Gridley, Gridley is one of the great content provider for education in Nigeria. We also have U lessons, people like that. So we will be looking in the future on how all of us can collaborate and provide the right uh, platform for, for the student. We also are not only looking at even the content around students, they're also looking at the content around the teachers in terms of their development and training. And that has what, that's what has led us to partnership with a non-governmental organization called Teach the Nation in South Africa. So what we are doing with Teach the Nation now is creating a platform for them where teacher can be developed in terms of leadership and also giving them the knowledge of how to be the best teacher. So, and that platform will be connected to school try. And then we're also now going to go into parents, which I don't probably don't want to discuss on this platform. We need to go to how can we even provide a good parental service to your children mm-hmm. so that they can have the right mindset to get the knowledge they want and also have the right behaviors to the teachers and the administrators. And if you look at the administrator side, you need to focus mainly on the monitoring and evaluation and how they get those insights to be able to make the right decisions. The administrator can be public institution like government. They can also be the private institutions without the principals, the school owners, and so on. At the end of the day, this poll, all these stakeholders have their roles and responsibility, what they need to play in the game to be able to make the whole society succeed. I like it. I like it. It's really great because somehow creating or building the ecosystem around education, right? Yeah, I think you you, you just, uh, you get it completely. Thank you. It was great to have you again. If you have any parting words for our listeners, please go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's just one should never give up. It is um, persistence, consistency, and continuous learning and getting the right feedback, mentoring, mentorship, and coaching 
I think those are the ingredients that will lead to the uh, to the entire success of whatever we are doing. And it doesn't matter whether it's edtech or fintech or everything we do. Just uh, we should take those things along, and success will come from patience and perseverance. Contributing to change the education system one school at a time while transforming the lives of students, teachers and parents is truly visionary. If you are curious to know more about SchoolTry, then check out their website at schooltry.com. As always, the link is available in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I appreciate you taking the time. That was episode 58, a new conversation with Ismail Elabrike. Join me again in two weeks as we continue to talk education and technology with another returning guest, Alma Moya Losada. Make sure you leave us a review everywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, remember to share our podcast with a friend, a colleague, or even a family member. You can also connect with us through our website at narratives-of-purpose.podcastpage.io or through our social handles at Narratives of Purpose Podcast. Until the next episode, take care of yourselves, stay well, and stay inspired. This podcast was produced by Tom at Rustic Studios. Mm-hmm.